0: If you don't subscribe to our Women's Performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hello, Feisties. I am recording this intro from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the National Triathlon Championships and the Pro Triathletes Organizations US Open, where basically all the best amateur and pro triathletes are competing this week. And I'm recording right near the race venue. So I tried to pick a quiet spot, but if you hear a little background noise, maybe you can hear bikes going by or people cheering. That is why. Uh, big trip to Wisconsin for me this week. I also have a bonus day in Madison where I'll be taking in the final day of the CrossFit Games, which um, will be yesterday by the time this podcast drops. So if you want to catch that action, follow f- at feisty underscore media on Instagram, and also sign up for our new women's sports newsletter. It's called The Feist, and the very first one dropped last Monday. And honestly, the response has been incredible. I mean, I knew it would be good because it's written by Kelly O'Mara, but we've had so many people email uh, telling us how much they love it. So if you are looking to get all your women's sports and performance news in one place, subscribe to our new newsletter, um, it's thefeistnews.com, and the link will be in the show notes. So, for today, I am excited to share a conversation with a woman of many talents, Karina Hamill. Her busy, multifaceted life is something I know a lot of you can relate to, um, as I did. She is an athlete, an entrepreneur, and the co founder of Bivo, as well as a mom. Karina has been a lifelong athlete, achieving national success as an NCAA Nordic skier at the University of Vermont and as a member of the U.S. World Junior Ski Team. And as a business professional prior to co-founding Bivo, Karina founded a footwear development company that specialized in helping brands with everything from creative direction to manufacturing um, which it, the story is so cool. Um, and now at Bivo, Karina is responsible for strategic planning, hiring, community outreach, and so much more. Um, I learned a ton from Karina as we discussed how being an athlete prepared her for her entrepreneurial journey, how she and her husband developed the idea for Bivo. Uh, we heard a day in the life of, of how she balances parenthood with working full time, um, how she's creating a business plan and her str- her ability to plan strategically was inspiring, honestly, in order to grow the business, her hiring process, what she's learned from her biggest failures, um, how she's managing the stress and risk of building a business. Uh, She gives us advice for folks who are wanting to turn their side hustle into a full-time gig and what she does when she struggles with motivation or making tough decisions. There's definitely a ton packed into this interview. I learned a lot and I know that you will too hi Karina welcome to the podcast hi thanks for having me yeah so good to have you I don't think I've had Another entrepreneur on the podcast oh, nice. yet, so I'm really um, keen to like dig into that side of things. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about your company, Bivo.
1: Yeah, so I started Bivo with my husband in 2019. We came up with the idea in 2019, um, just after my daughter was born. So we were transitioning her to daycare, and we were having a hard time feeding her out of a bottle. She re- was rejecting almost every single one we offered her, and I hated feeding her out Mm -hmm. of plastic. So um, we were talking Mm -hmm. about that while we were skiing one day. I was a big cross-country ski racer, um, and I still love to ski. And so we were out skiing and drinking out of my old disgusting um, drink belt that Nordic skiers use, and it was covered in mold. And we realized that every time we exercise, we drink out of plastic too. So we started researching Mm -hmm. and discovered that there wasn't a solution for drinking out of anything besides plastic on a bike. And so we started developing the bottle that is now Bivo right away, um, and Mm. we brought it to market in late 2020. So it's a stainless steel cycling bottle that is designed to fit in universal bike cages, and we've optimized the flow of water through our gravity flow system that's patent pending um, Mm. so that you can pour and drink with ease. Right. So that was kind
0: of my first question when I looked at, you know, I was looking at your through the at the bottles on Instagram this morning and I'm like, but you can't squeeze it. Yeah. <laughs> right? yep. So you, you develop some kind of system to get, the, so the water comes out.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it, we actually have a vent system. So it allows air to go into the bottom of the bottle and that helps mm. equalize the pressure and pushes the water out of the bottle. So what's nice about it is it's really fast to drink out of, but it also doesn't, you know, when you like have, it say you like tip over a wine bottle and you you have that like chugging, like you see the air go in and it kind of stops and starts again. There's none of that. So it's just a super clean stream of water and really nice to drink out of.
0: Amazing. And how has it been received so far by the cycling community?
1: Great. It's been really good. I think when people are like, there's a couple hesitations, I think first is just like, it's different than what other, like mm. every other bottle out there is plastic. So I think there's a bit of a hurdle getting over that, like the metal does belong on the bike. Um, I would say that once people try it, they're, they pretty much are converts because it is such a pleasant drinking experience. Plus it doesn't taste like plastic. Like it's, I think that's something that people have gotten used to is that taste. But now when you taste out of a Bivo, it's just clean and, and nice.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I can imagine because I drink out of like a metal um a metal bottle for my um I I do CrossFit now mm-hmm. in my post in my post triathlon years right and I drink out of I drink out of a metal bottle mostly for that reason actually because I was because the same thing that you just said like I looked at my plastic bottles and was like wait I've been drinking out of plastic for all these years and they're not clean yeah right so totally. like do, do your bottles like they presumably they go into a dishwasher or you could keep do. them clean easily yep
1: yeah the real that was actually we did a lot of focus groups when we were first designing it and it was interesting because a lot of cyclists were saying that it's a necessary evil to drink out of plastic because it's the only option um, and but cleanability was a huge complaint and so we focused a lot on that so yeah the base of the bottle is all stainless steel and it's dishwasher safe. We made the straw, which is the venting system. It's out of food grade silicone and the nozzle is also out of food grade silicone. And those are both removable so that they can go be put in the dishwasher. Um, And then everything's like super smooth radius so that it doesn't like have any nooks and crannies for mold to get into. Right, right. And so you're describing this time,
0: like you have a Mm one-year-old and you're deciding, which seems like kind of a crazy time to decide that you're going to start a business, you know, you're like, okay, let's start a business. How did you get started? Like, what were your first steps?
1: Yeah, so I actually had started another company in when I was uh, in my late 20s. I had been a footwear product developer and Mm -hmm. I was uh, part of my job was actually finding new factories and establishing new manufacturing techniques for Keen footwear. Um, so I lived in China for them for three months and then I moved to Portland and I worked for them for five years there in the innovation group. And I loved the international business piece of the work. Um, I love setting up those manufacturing relationships. And I realized that when I was there, that that was one of the hardest things for startups is actually finding partners to manufacture with. And it's where you can make the biggest mistakes in your product, because if you don't have a good partner, you can fail, um, and so I left and I started my own agency helping brands find um, manufacturing partners as well as developing product for them. So it started as like part-time development into manufacturing, and then it went all the way from as we grew anywhere from creative direction through to production. So I already was running that business with my husband. Um, and when I left to have my daughter, I was so surprised coming back from that that I actually, didn't want to go back to work. It was a really weird feeling because I had trained either for skiing my whole life or then working on my business. And I love work. Um, so that transition was super, uh, it was a weird time. It was just like, huh, interesting. I don't really want to go back Mm -hmm. and leave her. Um,
0: is that, why do you think that is, is that, um, Because is that like because of a motherhood feeling, like a new feeling that you had because of having a child?
1: I think so. Yeah. I think it just was like, I think everybody reacts differently to having children. Like I've had some people who say, you know, I want, I know I want to be a stay at home mom. And then they have a baby and they're like, no way, I'm going back to work, (laughs) you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think for me, I was always expecting that I would just go back to work and I would be happy to do that. Um, But it was actually surprising to me how much I needed, like, I just wanted something different to work on if I was going to spend time away from her. It just felt like a good transition time. Um, So we actually set aside time when I was coming back to work um, to actually focus on something different. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, I I don't know if you've heard of the 80-20 rule that Google worked on, but it was like 80% of your time is on stuff that you are supposed to be working on. And then 20% of the time is just like for free, like work towards something, but you don't necessarily know what it's going to turn into. And that's exactly what I did. And um, it is amazing because it just freed up my mind. And that's when Bivo came about. Um, So yeah, it was, I was actually like determined to start a different business which does feel like a very weird time, but I have talked to other mothers and it is like, I've, I've noticed that a lot of moms make pretty big transitions around the time that they have their children. Um, and so I
0: think it just, yeah, it was what I needed to do for myself. Totally. That's super interesting. What you just said about you spending twenty percent of your time on something that you didn't know where it was going. Yeah. How, how do you even do that? Like, how do you? How do you? If you don't know where it's going, how do you decide what the steps are?
1: Yeah. Um. It's. I. I like. I think I like that freedom of just like researching and exploring. I've always kind of liked that period. Um, So actually when I was starting my first business, I would go to Powell's Books in Portland. That's where I lived at the time. Um, And it's this awesome bookstore. I think it's the oldest uh, independent bookstore in the country and it's just awesome. So I would go there and I would just read business books. And I didn't really know what what I was doing. I, when I left, when I quit my previous job, I didn't really know what I was going to be doing. I had like some sort of idea that I might want to start my own thing. Um, but I would go and I would read these books and it would just like inspire me to think. And so I would do that the same after having my daughter, I would just kind of like do things that would make me think a little bit differently. And I think honestly, just allowing myself that freedom, Made me okay at it because I was like, it's fine. This is what I know. I think something will come out of this. So if I do this, something good will happen. So I just gave myself that freedom. So I think a lot of times it's about giving yourself permission to do something a little bit different.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then tell, tell me, how did it evolve? I, like, how did you, you know, how did you continue to make this your main focus? Well, cause I think a lot of people feel like pressure for money and yeah. stuff like that. Like, how did you get past that, that hurdle?
1: Yeah. I think because I had my previous business, I was comfortable with the risk. Honestly, I think if I didn't have, if I hadn't had done that, um, previously it would have been a lot harder. So I was 28 when I started my previous business and I had, I wasn't, um, I hadn't even met my husband yet. Um, I was, uh, I didn't have children. I had no house, like I had no responsibility. So my, I kind of like set myself up saying my sister had just had a baby in Montreal. And so I was like, well, worst case, she needs a nanny if I like start running out of money, I'll go and work for my sister. So I think like, sometimes you just have to set up like, okay, even if the worst case happens, like I'm going to still be okay. Um, mm-hmm. So that yeah. I think gave me the confidence in starting the second in starting Bivo. Um, honestly, though, it is like, especially now having two kids like that, the financial piece of it is definitely stressful.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Is it um full-time for you and your husband? Yeah.
1: It's uh me and my husband. And then we have uh two full-time people working for us in Portland or in, sorry, in, in Vermont. And then one full-time person still in Portland. Wow. So you're growing. Yeah. It, yeah.
0: yeah. Amazing. Um, do you think that, you know, I know you were a college skier. Am I right? Yeah. About that? Yeah. Do you think that there are things about being an athlete that have prepared you for the entrepreneurial journey definitely yeah i think
1: that um every day you race you have to put yourself out there like you go and you you want to win right like mm-hmm. you you start you get on the starting line and you want to win and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't and i in every um every day you just have to keep going. Like you, you, you wake up the next morning, you start training again. Um, and I would say there's a lot of similarities in, in racing to running a business in that, like, you're going to have days that are amazing and there's going to be days that are harder, but regardless, you just have, like, if you win a race, you still have to train the next day. And if you lose a race, you still have to train the next day. So I would say the same thing goes for business. Um, but I definitely feel like I have transferred my competitive spirit of, of sport into business. Like I, Mm -hmm. now it's like all that energy, all that competitive energy goes into Bivo.
0: Yeah. So I, I say that I find myself saying that same thing so often Yeah. because people often expect, or if I am, do you happen to be doing a sport? Like I said earlier, I do CrossFit or sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll just show up and go for a ride with friends or something. People are expecting me to be more. Um, competitive, I guess, than I am at this stage in my life in in a sports environment. And I always say like, but I channel all of that energy into my business. That, so that's so interesting to hear you say that as well. Um, do you still do sports? I do. Yeah. I exercise a lot less than
1: I used to just with the two kids. I My son, Nolan, he's um, almost two. And then my daughter, Svea, she just turned five. So it's busy all the time. Um, So my husband and I, we both are just starting to exercise a little bit more now that my son is sleeping better. We have, we, we got two kids that don't sleep very well, so we often choose sleep over over exercise. Okay. It's fair, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I love to run and ride. Um, I've gotten more into running again this summer. I think like recovery from having my son, I rode bikes more last summer and and this summer I've been able to run a little bit more. And then in the winter, we moved back to Vermont specifically because we wanted to be in snow again. So in the winter, I try to get out cross country skiing as much as I
0: can. Yeah. How do you, you know, how do you let yourself do that? If that makes sense. So like, let's say on any given day, you're like, oh, it would be nice to go out for a couple hours for a ski or for a ride. Cause those are things that take a little bit more time say than a run or a quick, you know, weights workout or something. Um, do you like, how do you, what do you, how do you mentally tell yourself or allow yourself to do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, honestly I need to get better at it. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I have a hard time with it. It's like a lot of times it's picking between getting work done at Bivo and exercising because I because I definitely like try to make sure I keep enough time for our kids too. So like, you know, if you exercise during the week and you you leave in the morning, you kind of miss out on the mornings with your kids or after work, it's the same thing. So you do have to like I don't know. It, honestly, it's something I'm working on and I am getting a bit better at it now. But I think that every time I go out, it, it's nice that Bivo is a performance sport bottle because anytime I go out and exercise something, some conversation comes up and I can think about it, like it sparks something different. So like even sometimes if I really need to go for a run, it clears my head and I also can think business which i know doesn't sound super relaxing but i love i love business so like i actually really love thinking about it and so sometimes it's just like a really great way to clear my head and just think a little bit differently about a problem that
0: i'm faced with yeah yeah i'm totally the same or sometimes i you know from sport i learned to put everything into um performance right so it's like even eating and napping And like taking those breaks or spending time with friends in a way you can say, okay, that's going to help my performance in the race ultimately or whatever. And I think for me anyway, it's like the same with business. It's like, actually my time away is helping what I'll be able to put in later, you know, like, um, and that's something I feel like I learned from sports as well. Like how to make something all encompassing and yet have balance (laughs) at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, I'm curious about your schedule. I have a, I have one daughter who's now 12. So Mm -hmm. I'm starting to get to that point where my schedule is getting a little bit easier. She takes the bus home from school, but I remember like the younger years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What does your schedule look like on the day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah. So during the school year, um, so my daughter was going into kindergarten. She was in preschool this year. So she would get, she would get dropped off at 830. Um, and then school goes until 4.30. So typically my husband drops her off with my son. They actually have the same drop off, which we got super lucky with. (laughs) So yeah. So my husband would drop them off at 8.30 and get to work by like 9, 8.50, nine o'clock. And then I would leave at four to pick them up at 4.30. Um, And so then like, it's a mad dash basically till bed at 8.00 PM. Um, And then (laughs) And then my husband, I just relax. Um, and so, yeah, it basically starts, you know, my son wakes up around like, well, anywhere from five 15 to six 30 typically, and then get ready for the day and, um, yeah, get them off and, and then get back to work and and do. Yeah. So basically like, that's what's, that's, what's interesting about, I don't, it's a bit different in Canada, I think than in the U S but, um, Yeah. The full-time childcare in the state of Vermont is pretty tough to find. Um, And so I think our system really isn't set up for work to working parents. Like it's really hard. I mean, if we did, if we had a boss to report to our schedule, would actually really not work that well. Like we'd have to talk about working after the kids go to sleep or something like that. And like, so I think that's a challenge that our society in general is is needing to, I think, overcome. In particular, to have more women in the workforce um, and and see fewer and see fewer women leave, I guess, when their children are born, and then also just like get themselves into C-suite p- positions. So it's just like, yeah, it's a it's a hard it's a hard thing that like unfortunately is not addressed
0: enough, I think. And so hopefully we can make some headway there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it is kind of the same here in Canada with the childcare situation. It's hard to find childcare. And then we still obviously have the same cultural expectation that um, women will women are doing the lion's share of the work, although that is shifting and changing. And so I like I'm very inspired by seeing that change. But yeah. still, like you're right. It takes it does take a little bit more, takes a little bit more energy you know, to kind of like push back and say, no, like my work is just as important as someone else's. Um, And because we want to spend time with our kids too. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, I find this um, tug. I actually in Portland, when our daughter was born, our business was a little bit more was, yeah, it was more established. It was eight years old or so. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we felt like we could take, uh, it was easier to take time to go like pick her up early from daycare. And that freedom was really nice. And now we feel a little bit more pressed, just like growing Devo and, and trying to, to make it work. And so we have to work a little bit more than what we did when, when my daughter was born. Building
0: muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high-quality protein, like eggs or whey, and by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. And use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right. You get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. You literally have nothing to lose. As a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tifosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tafosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof, poly-bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tefosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tefoseoptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in feisty media, to get 20% off your order. That's fm20 at tafosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. I'm curious too about this process of how you get from... It just being yourself and your husband Mm to, you know, I went through this myself to like the first employees or the first contractor, you know, when you, because those things are risks too, like deciding how, how much you pay yourself when you start making money versus how much you pay other people. So how did you navigate those kind of, when you first started to make a little money and say, Hey, should I pay myself? Should I pay someone else? How did you navigate that?
1: Yeah. So I actually we hired our first employee before, this kind of sounds weird, but before we even had the idea of Bibo. So we, (laughs) um, we, we were running our footwear development agency and we had done, we had dabbled in projects previously that we were looking to like either sell a concept to another brand or start our own thing. Um, And what we found was that, we would get busy with client work and then that project that like our pet project was kind of It would go to the side and, and we wouldn't really finish it. And so that was one of the things when we had set a time, like done the 80, 20 thing um, and set aside time to focus on something new. One of the things we actually did was we hired an intern um, from the university of Oregon and we had put his, his work was like actually doing some research we started looking at the apparel industry and apparel for Nordic skiing. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we just knew that there there is actually a pretty big opportunity there, but Nordic skiing is so small. We were like, this just isn't a, a viable business right now. So we had, mm-hmm. done, had him researching mm-hmm. some of that. And then when we came up with the idea of Bivo, he's the one that did like all the focus groups and the customer surveys and a lot of the market research. Um And even helped us like put together the business plan. Um, So it was kind of an interesting way to start because we had our first employee before we even started. Yeah. Um, But that really worked because I think, again, like we just were always busy with footwear that if we hadn't have had somebody helping push us to, to keep like, we were accountable to him, you know? And I think that I have found that previously with, with other employees too. It just feels like when you have employees, you become accountable to them, um, because you have a responsibility for their job as well as, um, just making sure that you like respect the work that they're doing. Um, so I think that that, that was yeah a unique way to start but it was definitely a great way for us and then we built out uh pro- we built out projections for how many bottles we thought we could sell and we created a pretty good business plan um projecting out when we would need to create hires and those have actually stayed pretty true to um, what we expected in terms of when we hired them, but the 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 role was different than we expected. Um, and so, and that's always changing. Like we, we sometimes, we know we'll be hiring. It's looking like we'll be hiring somebody in the beginning of 2024. And that role has shifted in our heads like a few times, you know, but like it ends up, like you fill in the work that you find needs to be done, you know? And, and also the other thing that we do is like really look at personality types. And like, we have, we have two quite, well, actually three very analytical people on our team and two of us are more, uh, free spirited. So I think like just finding a balance with that type of, um, thing with your employees too is also something we really have put a lot of emphasis on because we've found like my husband and I are very different. Um he's he's really good at planning and organizing and operations. He's also like super creative, but I'm more of the one that like pushes the boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he res- and he respects he respects my position. And I also am like very grateful for him like backing up, oh yeah, we actually can do that. You know, so it's like just finding the balance on the team of of what makes sense from a personality standpoint has been huge for us too.
0: Yeah. I totally relate to that. For For me, it's not my partner, but it's like my, some of my employees, the ones who are running operations, like I'm the same, I'm, sounds like I'm the similar personality to you. Like I'm often p- big picture, mm-hmm. you know, thinking, and then like, I kind of meet, you know, my, um, next, like my number two, I suppose. Um, right around the strategic place, which we tend to plan together, you know, and then there's other people who go into the operations. So because I don't always know exactly what detail of like what social media posts has to go out or whatever else is happening. Because I'm I'm often like (laughs) they think I'm in the clouds, but I'm like, this is is important to everybody. Yeah, Um, no, totally. Is there something is gonna ask about your hiring process, you know, because I've it's something that like I've had massive wins in hiring. I've had massive fails in hiring. Um, and I find that, you know, a startup often needs to have entrepreneurial people, you know, even if they're really in the, like, like I just said, like, even if someone's really working in the weeds and, you know, that the environment, at least for me, that we've created at Feisty, like there's not necessarily the same guardrails in terms mm-hmm. of like what your job actually is when you're mm-hmm. hired. So like, how do you find the right people? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean,
1: we we have really put, we worked with a career coach for yeah. uh three years. Um, and this guy, Mark Honesberg, and he's amazing. Um, but he really helped us look at how important it is to consider your personality type um and how people react to different scenarios. So I think like really identifying the role. And understanding the personality for the startup position um, in that in that like in that position, I guess, um, has been really huge for us and actually we've really improved on hiring. it since like through working with Mark and just analyzing like really being able to understand how somebody else thinks. And we've actually started having people take, um, this, this assessment before we hire them called as I see myself. And it really just helps show like how your, your brain would react to different scenarios and like, what's the the right position for the person. Um, so I think like identifying the, what you need the role to be executing on and then what type of personality goes along with that as well as balancing out the team. Like, I think that's something that maybe mm. has, is something that I missed early on is like, you you can't hire somebody that you understand completely because then you just have two people like yourself. And so if you really if you really look for like balancing out strengths within the entire team, I think that's been hugely helpful for us.
0: Mhm. Yeah, have you ever had and this could be around hiring or anything else. Have you ever had something that like completely failed that you learned a lot from? Yeah. Uh yeah, plenty. Um I think <laughs> our
1: biggest our biggest failure is um actually when we got our first batch of production. So mm-hmm. we we launched in late 2020 or we yeah, we launched in late 2020. It was actually supposed to be August, 2020. So what happened was it was COVID and we had a factory partner who is, they were great, um, but something went wrong with the coating when it was being manufactured. And it actually wasn't even visible. Like when you got, when we got the bottles, we didn't even notice it, but we, we, we sent them out to, a few different people to wear test them before we launched um or before we started shipping bottles I should say because we actually did do a pre-order um, mm-hmm. and what we found was that the coating was peeling off um so this is our first batch of production this is like before we shipped a single bottle um and, and we, how many bottles did you have at this point uh, I can't remember how many maybe like 3,000 we ordered. <laughs> So um, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was like, it was quite devastating. It was really, uh, yeah, it was brutal. Um, so we found out luckily before we shipped anything, we did do a pre-order, but um, so we had to email all the customers and say, like we found a problem with the bottles and we don't feel confident with the quality. And so we're going to delay shipping and everybody was super nice. I think like for me in that situation, Um, well, two things, one, we would have never like before COVID, we always told all of our footwear clients, the first round of production, you always have to be at the factory. Like you can, you have to be there, but we couldn't be there because you couldn't travel to China at the time. Um, and so we just had to go for it. And, um, of course it went wrong. Like the thing that honestly, we were probably most confident in, manufacturing went wrong. So even though we always know that there, there's like manufacturing is quite challenging. So there's always, you know that there's always potential to have a problem, but this was like way bigger than we would have ever anticipated. Um, Cause we thought we had everything like standard operating procedures and everything in place. Um, so I think from that experience, what we learned was, you know, y- being honest and open and transparent with customers everybody appreciated it. Everybody supported us. I think there were two people who returned the order. It was like, we almost like gained, um, yeah, I think we gained trust with our customers and also just like a bond maybe in some ways. Like I appreciate all the people that ordered and like stood by us because it was devastating and a really hard thing for us to get through, but we did and we fixed the problem and, uh, we were able to move on.
0: Well, have you ever? I was thinking about you mentioned risk earlier, you know, mm-hmm. and you clearly have some pretty high risk tolerance, um, having started a couple of businesses. But you know, has there ever been a moment where you've risked a lot and you're not sure if it's going to work out, you know, and then it just yeah, and then it does. Yeah,
1: I mean, honestly, I kind of think of that sometimes now. Even like we mm. were in the early stages of Bivo, and it's going well. Like we're growing, and we're. People are happy with our product, but I think just like having, you know, our kids and our, we, we invested a lot of our own money. Um, Mm -hmm. We only have done a small friends and family round. And so um, it is very scary. Like that is something that we feel every single day. Um, right. And you're yeah. you're
0: still in that. Totally. Yep. Yeah. 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 How do you how do you handle it? Like, does it keep you up at night? Or do you have ways to manage the the stress or that feeling of, oh man, this is risky?
1: Yeah. I think um for me, no, I don't really lose sleep over it, but I am pretty, I do have like pretty high risk. I would say my husband probably would say he loses sleep over it. Um, I, I sometimes lose sleep over work stuff, but it's not like I'm, a, a sli- I'm awake in the middle of the night thinking we're going to fail. I think it's, I think it honestly goes back to that, like the comparing to being an athlete thing. Um, you know, when, when I was training for ski racing, I had a, a plan, like I would have, I had a training plan and I would train to that plan. And yeah, we would make adjustments on depending on how it was feeling, but like I always had I always had trust in the process and I would say I I feel the same way about Bivo. Like we have a really good plan. Like if we look at our if we look at our um business plan and our projections like we really think it's doable and mm-hmm. what we think we're doing is working. Um so I think yeah, I mean I I I guess I just trust in the process. And I know that there's going to be ups and downs. Like there are, there are weeks where I'm like where are the orders and then there's other weeks I'm like whoa, where did all those orders come from. So I think it's just like just like anything, there's ups and downs, and then you just have to trust that like what you've created is is a good plan, and and keep working towards that.
0: Okay, I know we have, and you know, if I see we run, um, we have a small conference every year, and and last year we had a group of fifty female entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who are all athletes, um, and most of them were looking to kind of turn their side hustle into a business. Like that's kind of where they were we're at yeah what do you have advice for those people a lot of them would be coaches but some of them did have products you know um what's your advice for them
1: uh I'm I say just go all in like I think that Mm. I think you can't dabble I think that that's so actually when I when I quit ski racing I really had no idea what I wanted to do like I was a cross-country ski racer. That's what I was like my entire, like every time, you know, my sister's a mathematician. So when, when friends like family, friends would talk about my sister, they'd say, she's a mathematician. When they talk about me, I was a ski racer and that's what I was my, my whole life. And so I was just like, well, what am I next? You know? So that transition was, was hard to figure out what I could like possibly, work for 40 hours a week towards like that, like 40 hours a week felt like a lot of hours for a job, you know? (laughs) And so, uh, but when I got the opportunity to work for, for Rofu, the parent company of Keen, I moved over to China and I started working in the factories. I was, I was just learning and, um, working and, uh, it was like 80 hours a week, but I loved it. I thought it was so cool and I was just soaking it all in. And I think what happened was I dove in, like I moved to China to do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that's, that's making that jump of like going, I understand like, you can't always do it as a full-time position because, um, there's financial implications of course, but like mentally diving in instead of like a toe in the water. I think that's a big, I think that's something that makes a huge difference is like, just go for it. Just go all in.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a couple of things I'm hearing there because the um, financial piece Mm -hmm. can be almost answered to, if you will, by the planning. Yes. Like, you know, it sounds like you have a really good strategy around creating a business plan, you know, and then being able to potentially see it coming, like, okay, maybe this, if I do these things, I'll be able to be full-time in my business at this time. Um, How do you, I'm actually quite impressed by what you said earlier about how your projections and your hiring Mm -hmm. has sort of come true in terms of the stages. Um, and the timing of it like how do you how did you create such a precise business plan that you have so much trust in
1: yeah uh well i have to say i give a lot of credit to my husband and to peter that employee i was talking about cuz they're really good at forecasting um they like in the very beginning um we looked at key metro areas in the U S and we looked at like the early adopter curve and how many early adopt, like a percentage of early adopters for the percentage of uh cyclists within each of those key metro areas. And honestly, they nailed it. Like they did. Wow. So they, uh, yeah. they're really good at it. like, that's what my husband, he worked at icebreaker Merino and part of his job was, um, sales operations. And so it was like something that he had been, he had been part of for a long time too. So I think that that was, they did a really good job with the forecasting and that just like kind of dictates the rest of the business. Um, We also hired, I think my like number one, I don't know, maybe not number one advice, but a lot of people, I remember asking people, who do you, like, what would you be what was your, what would your recommendation for a first hire or first contractor be? And one thing that has really stood out for me in Bivo, this wasn't something I did at my footwear business, but we hired a fractional CFO and Mm. he gives us so much confidence in our numbers because this is what his job is. And he, he looks at it and like, we adjust our forecasts um, or adjust our spending based on what he's helping us look at. But like, the confidence we've gained just knowing somebody is there is like, you're not going to run out of money. Like we know we are not going to run out, you know? And so I think that like, that is, um, that's been hugely helpful too.
0: Mm -hmm. That's almost good advice for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. And it's funny because (laughs) my husband actually makes fun of me because it's like not what probably he would have ever expected me to say, but like, the, I love talking to Bill. He, he just great. like, it's, it's great because he just, yeah, I get this confidence and we know exactly where we stand. Um, and I think sometimes that ambiguity, ambiguity can be super stressful, but when I talk to him, it's like clear numbers and like, yep, we're, this is where we are and this is what we have to do to, to make sure it works. And so that's, that's been awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, I'd love that approach. I also love what you said earlier about the, um, sales like the forecasting and figuring out like actually you can go out and find there's a lot of market research that's already been done like I would have never thought of that but cross-referencing early adopters with cyclists in urban areas like wow of course
1: yeah and, and yeah we didn't pay for any data like that's all stuff that you can can find yeah
0: mm-hmm. it's that's a lot so of work and it's
1: like it still feels I mean, you know, we got check ourselves sometimes and it's still like, I I guess like we'll we'll see, but yeah, it's, it's amazing what can come out through a lot of research. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you ever struggle with motivation or have bad days and how do you deal with it?
1: Yeah. I'm sometimes, you know, I think like you go through these big pushes. Um, sometimes it's hard to make decisions. Um, I have, sometimes I have a hard time making a decision. Like there's so many things to get done. Um, Mm -hmm. and, sometimes you look at the wall of things to do and you're like, which, which one do I go with? Like, how do I pick what's the right route? Cause nobody's telling us what is right. Like we we have to kind of go with a mix of like our gut as well as like how much we can spend on something or, um, and I think that's something that's, you know, our budgets are tight. Cause like I said, we didn't raise a ton of money. And so we have to be very strategic with where we spend our money and so I have often a hard time, like if there's, you know, 10 things that we can put it towards is like, which do we pick? And so I think some, there's like periods of time where we, we like think and think and think and think, and then I get stressed and I'm like, all right, we just got to make a decision and then we make a decision and move on. And so I think there's periods of times where like that decision-making process can be hard because it feels like another risk that we're taking, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you can't think yourself out of a decision. You have to like do. A yes. Decision. Yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. it could still be wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. Um. Okay, cool. I, uh, yeah. Where can we, where can we find out more about Bivo?
1: Um, so we sell online drinkbivo.com. Um, and we also are in uh, retailers across country in Canada. We're in MEC across across all across Canada, as well as Bicicletta and Velo Color in, in Toronto. Um, but yeah, different independent retailers. We're in um, backcountry.com as well as uh, some REIs and uh, Mike's Bikes and Sports Basement. So yeah, different retailers. You can go to our site and find those as well.
0: Well, do you see yourself expanding beyond bike bottles? Like yeah, would be yeah. The, what would be all the next products for Viva?
1: Yeah, I think we've we've really targeted the cyclists because it was a, a huge open hole. Um, cyclists are an awesome group of people who are like super loyal and love talking about gear, so we felt like it was a really good place to start. Um, and we want to tackle the cycling industry first to start like before we move beyond it. Um, we really, I mean, we do know that people are using these bottles for any type of sport and actually like at their desk in the car too. Um, but we really just want to focus on the cyclist still. Um, but definitely like moving beyond into other performance sports, our bottle, like while we started it, because we wanted to drink out of less plastic, it actually performs in our opinion, better than, than plastic too, in terms of like the flow rate, it's really easy to drink out of. We get comments all the time about how people drink more water when they drink out of a Bivo because it's such a drink, easy drinking experience. So we do know that, um, we want to move into other performance sports, but stay performance focused for sure.
0: Yeah. not Lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And sorry, just for our listeners, um, you may have said already, but tell me again, can we order online somewhere? Yes.
1: Yep. Drinkbivo.com. Oh, perfect.
0: Amazing. Okay. And how do we follow you? Can we follow you in your entrepreneurship journey?
1: Yeah. You know, okay. So I'm like terrible at social media. (laughs) I, I I really don't. I almost didn't ask. Cause I kind of noticed this morning. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> these posts are pretty old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like my second to last post was our wedding in 2018, or 2016. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but yeah, I, the, um, you can follow, uh, at drink Bivo on Instagram and my, my social media handle is Karina underscore Hamel. but, um, I, I will try to get better at posting and, and talking about my, my personal journey.
0: Well, your journey has been inspiring to me and I hope to our listeners as well. So thank you so much, Karina. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: For decades, running shoes have been researched I've personally been running in the Alma Cruz, and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. and then use the code performance for 15% off your first purchase. That's code performance at lagoonsleepcom forward slash performance, whole 15% off. And the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there.